Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're beginning our study of 1 Peter. Today is episode 1007, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's read the passage. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the chosen living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is Peter's letter to the churches in Asia Minor. Peter is an apostle. He identifies himself in verse 1 as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And that means something. Apostle is a position of authority. It's an office. He is one of the twelve. Apostle can also mean messenger. And sometimes in Acts, some of the group traveling with Paul are referred to as apostles. But here he's using this as an apostle of Jesus Christ. That is, one of the twelve chosen by Jesus to be an apostle. Remember, Peter's name was Simon, son of Jonah. But Jesus renamed him. He named him Cephas, which is Aramaic for rock. And then that gets translated into Greek as Petros. And that's where we get Peter. Peter was a fisherman, brother of Andrew. And he became the leader of the apostles, the most outspoken one of them. Then he actually failed and denied Jesus when Jesus was being tried. But then after the resurrection, Jesus restored him. And there along the seashore of the Sea of Galilee, he said, feed my sheep and restored the relationship with Peter. In the early part of the book of Acts, Peter is the leader of the Christian movement. Fairly soon, though, in the book of Acts, that shifts to James, the brother of Jesus. But we still see Peter active. In chapter 10, he goes to the home of Cornelius. And that's where we really see God demonstrating to Peter, a very well-known, outspoken leader of the church, that Gentiles can become Christians, and that becomes quite the amazing thing to the early church. Then when Paul and Barnabas are seeing Gentiles come to Christ, they have the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, and Peter defends the idea that Gentiles can become Christians based on what God had done through him. Then later in Antioch, we see described in the book of Galatians, Paul and Peter button heads over this because the people come from Jerusalem and Peter started pulling back from hanging out with the Gentiles because of the Jews from Jerusalem. Paul said he called Peter out on it. But later in life, Peter was in Rome. And the indications are here in this letter, this is where he is when he writes the letter. The letters are written probably in the early 60s, 62, 63 AD, not too long before Peter's executed. And Peter's sending this letter to the churches of Asia Minor. We'll see in the very end of it, he is sending it via Sylvanius, who's going to carry it to the various churches. So let's dive into it. Chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the chosen living as exiles, dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 
So he's describing himself as an apostle, and he's addressing this to the chosen. Also, could be translated as to the elect. And these are people chosen by God, God's people. These are believers he's writing to. And he says they're living as exiles dispersed abroad. Some translations call this sojourners of the diaspora. And diaspora was a term that the Jews used. It basically means scattered abroad. And so there were many Jews scattered all over the place outside of Palestine after the Babylonian exile. And so the, the term often used to describe the Jews scattered all around the world was the diaspora of the Jewish people. Now, Peter's using that term here to describe the Christians scattered throughout, particularly Asia Minor. And so they're sojourners of the diaspora. They are living as exiles dispersed abroad. And he named several regions of Asia Minor, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And these are all areas in modern-day Turkey. It continues, And chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge. This is something that troubles a lot of people. What does this really mean? And what really messes people up is the idea of predestination. Some people really struggle with this idea of predestination and turn it into a, an either-or. There's predestination or free will, and we've got to choose which, which side we want to be on so we know which side to oppose. Well, that's not really a good way to approach this. And so, just to begin with this idea of foreknowledge, it's the same word, basically, that gets used in chapter 1, verse 20, talking about Christ's coming, the foreknowledge of Christ's coming. So it's not just that God knew Jesus was coming. He knew Jesus was coming because he had ordained it. It was his plan for Jesus to come. It's also used in the book of Acts, describing the coming of Jesus, that it was God's foreknowledge that made Jesus come. So you can't just say it's knowledge of what's going to happen. Quite often there's intention behind it. It's yes, God knew it because he's put it in his plan. It's going to happen. So we look at just this passage here. These are people, believers, chosen by God with God's foreknowledge, that is his intention, through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we see God at work through all of this. But it's not predestination versus free will. And that's where people get caught up in this. If God chose, that means we don't freely choose. Well, yes, it does. And you've got to, got to take this as a both and, not either or. Now, biblically, it's not possible for us to freely choose God because of our corruption, because of our fallenness, because of our sinfulness. Paul clearly says no one chooses God. No, not one. We are incapable of choosing God because of our sin. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to freely choose God. And that's where God is involved in the whole act of salvation. Yes, we freely choose God, but because God has 
empowered us to freely choose him. And, and the issue is we start projecting our understanding, our logic, our thought process, our values even. We project them onto God. And we think of God as to get this list of uh, who's naughty and who's nice, who I'm choosing, who I'm not choosing. It's, it's so simplistic. Think of a toddler dealing with parents. And the toddler so often doesn't get his way, doesn't get what he wants, when he wants. And so he tries to understand his parents' way of thinking, their values. There's no way he can understand this because it's so far beyond him. And they're working from a totally different value system where he's just dealing with what he wants, what he likes, and when he wants it. Where the parents have to deal with a whole lot of stuff and make decisions based on that. And so that is so minuscule compared to this distance between us and God. So don't project your understanding, your logic, your value system on God. Instead, celebrate that in our fallenness, in our corruption, God has reached out and is revealing himself. The Holy Spirit's at work, empowering people to choose him. So the good news is God brings about salvation. If he didn't, no one would be saved. But it wound up with this whole day of predestination. God's plan was for people to be saved. And just take it at that. Do you understand it? No. But be okay with that. So he's writing this letter to the Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor. And he's saying these are people who have been chosen by the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient. Obedience is a result of faith. People are obedient because of their faith. They're not saved because of their obedience. They're obedient because they've been transformed through the work of the Holy Spirit and be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. This has to do with being declared innocent of sin, being justified by faith, being declared holy. And then may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's just a, a well-wishing. When they get admission, what's the sanctifying work of the Spirit? Sanctifying is making holy. And so part of what the Holy Spirit is doing is bringing about our holiness, sanctification. So this is just his introduction to the letter. Who he is? Peter the Apostle. And who he's writing to? Christians, believers, primarily Gentiles, scattered throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And he's writing this letter and having his friend Sylvanius carry this letter city by city through this region. They're dealing with some tough times, and he's giving them some encouragement on how to lean on Christ to get through these tough times. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First Peter.